This is Brian Hitano. Some of you are familiar with my blog. Well, now you're able to hear my blog in audio form. I have enlisted the help of two voiceover professionals to read my blogs so you can enjoy them through your headphones. Almost a hundred years ago, my grandparents came from Japan to America. If it wasn't for their grit, determination, and sacrifice, I would not be here. I owe them so much. I talk about it in this episode entitled, It All Began as a Dream. to my brother and cousins, and to our children. My dad's mother and father, my grandparents, aka, Jaikin and Butchen, epitomized the Japanese spirit of gambate, patience and determination, non-complaining attitude, doing your best, keep going no matter the odds. We should never forget their sacrifices and that we, the generations that followed, are their legacy. They endured years of prejudice, racism, injustice and struggling to make a better life for her children. In turn, their children, our parents made sacrifices so our generation could be absent the trials and struggles that they endured, including living in the internment camp at Tule Lake during World War II. Their ganbare should not be forgotten without expressing gratitude. It's overwhelming really, when you consider the magnitude of sacrifice by our parents and Jaikin and Butchen to give us the lives that we have today. It's our duty to carry on that legacy to our children, and they, to their children, and the generations to come. Makes yearning and cursing that you have to wait weeks for a white iPhone 5 instead of the taking available black model seem trivial. I was 13 when Jaikin passed away. I, along with some you, served as honorary pallbearers. We wore our little suits and white cloth gloves. We sat in the front pew, and were able to see our grandfather for the last time. It was the first funeral I had ever been to, and to be so near to someone whom we were so close to, was an experience I wasn't able to fully digest until years later when I contemplated the magnitude of my grandparents' pioneer spirit. To mark the occasion in 1993 when we went to Hawaii for a big Hatano family reunion, I collected pictures and biographies to create a family tree and a book, a document for us to remember our past. Researching our family's history made me realize how little nuances of fate played a part in us all being here today. Over and over, I was reminded, if not for the adventurous pioneering spirit of Yoshimasa Hatano, we would not be here. I imagined him as a young man of 21 boarding a ship for America not sure what he would encounter. Not knowing how to speak English. Not possessing any skills except his physical self. To make the decision to leave his family behind in Japan to find a better life with no guarantees of a job. To struggle working in the fields for low wages. To endure the prejudices of the day. I can imagine but cannot fully comprehend what drove him to persevere in the face of such daunting obstacles, why he didn't just go back to Japan. Think of yourself in as a young man, moving to another country without much more than a basic education and not able to speak their language. Imagine that your new country was full of people who hated you and thought you should be banned from living amongst them. How would we do? I have a steamer trunk at my house that I got from Butchen when she moved into a nursing home. Daryl has one as well. 
Painted on the front panel is Y Hatano, in care of Porter Taylor, Loomis, California They hastily packed some of their possessions in these trunks, and gave them to a neighbor, Porter Taylor, to hold while they were interned at Tule Lake. Every time I look at the trunk, I am transported back to those days when their gambate was tested to its fullest. Butchen, along with Uncle Moss and Auntie Jerry, participated in the Jekyll Oral History Project in 1994 that captured the essence of the Hitano spirit. In her own words, she recalled her life in Japan, and her life in America. I learned from her oral history some things I knew but had forgotten, other things I never knew. Their marriage in 1922 was arranged by their families. When Jiken returned to Japan after spending five years in America trying to make a living, that was the first time she met him. She didn't know until after they were married that they would be living in America. He was 27, she had just graduated from high school and was 16. They spent 14 days on a ship and settled in Isleton where they worked on a farm. Butchen always called Jiken Papa. Moss, since you came to America, what's the worst thing that happened in your life? Butchen, oh, I can't think of anything that was that bad. Moss, being put into camp. Butchen, being put into camp was very bad. And then after we came out, we were able to find work here and there. We always got by. We always got by, she said. Dan Bat. Growing up we spent a lot of time at Jagan and Bachan's house on San Diego Way in Oak Park. It's remarkable that Butchen lived in that house by herself after Jagan died in 1971, long after the neighborhood went bad, into her 80s. We were more scared visiting her than she was living there. But after understanding her history, living in a rundown neighborhood was just a minor inconvenience. Talk about gambate. We hardly had any gambate compared to her. Jekin's most prominent feature was, as all of us recall, his bald head. Growing up, baldness wasn't as common as nowadays, when you see many sporting a bald scalp, even though they could have a full head of hair. Back then, Jekin's head was a source of wonderment. I asked him once if I could touch his head and he let me. It was at the same time hard and soft under my palm, smooth and round, and devoid of any blemishes. To this day I have not rubbed another man's bald head, not so much out of respect to Jaikin but mostly because I've never had the urge to rub another man's bald head. Well, maybe Alan's, but only once. As kids, we spent a lot of time at Jaikin and Bachan's house. Six grandsons and three granddaughters. Two of the girls were too old, Patty and Wendy, and one, Gail, was too young, to join in our fun. Plus they were girls, so that automatically excluded them. Led by Rick, we would walk to the little store on Stockton Boulevard and as a group, sing, money, money, money. With our quarters in our hands. Not a smart thing to do in Oak Park, we later learned, we would play tackle football and wrestle in the hallway laundry room, often crashing into the washing machine or the big stack of soda bottles that Butchen would buy for our consumption. We played pirate ship on her clothesline platform. And, of course, we fondly remember the basketball games on their ultra-long, super-narrow driveway, with our lampshade basket borrowed from the garage, without permission from anyone, where, oh, where was our parents' supervision? It was an invention reminiscent of Dr. Naismith's use of a peach basket in the early days of basketball. I think it is our fondest memory of growing up, that lampshade hoop. We played not with a basketball, but with Jekin's red rubber ball. It was on that narrow court that Daryl perfected his hook shot, unblockable and deadly from the corner. Later Kareem Abdul-Jabbar would emulate Daryl and have a Hall of Fame career. 
Daryl, armed with his law degree from Cal, would try but fail to win a lawsuit trying to claim copyright infringement. When Gary became old enough to join the older five grandsons, he served a purpose that the other younger brothers Kevin and Alan had to endure at one time, that is, serving as a human punching bag and target of many pranks for the oldest brothers, Daryl and me. That is a birthright of the older brother, picking on the younger ones. Only difference was Gary had all five of us ganging up on him. I wonder if he's now getting his revenge with his own three little sons. I'm betting yes. We were lucky to have Butchin with us until she was 93 years old. The six grandsons, Rick, Daryl, Alan, Kevin, Gary and I, served as her pallbearers, 28 years after we did the same for Jiken. I remembered my mom telling me that her wish was to enlist her six grandsons for this duty. She lived long enough to be a part of the majority of her great-grandchildren's lives, all except the youngest six, Dale and Gail's three boys and Gary and Kyoko's three boys. Hmm. Strange coincidence that those six boys are like the six boys a generation ago that fashioned a lampshade into a basketball hoop. Except they're more likely to play basketball on the Nintendo. If not for the time spent at Butchin and Jiken's house in Oak Park, we wouldn't have bonded as a family. We wouldn't have had rich memories like the lampshade basketball hoop. If not for Butchin and Jaikin and their Ganbear, there wouldn't even be a Hatano family. That's for certain. From all of the three generations represented here that carry on your legacy today, for all that you sacrificed and for that you did thank you, Butchin and Jaikin. Yaiko, 17, and Yoshimasa, 28, circa 1923. Footnote, okay, I know I should call them Ojaikin and Obuchin, but we've called them Jaikin and Butchin since we were born. In fact, Rick even called her Bach on occasion. Family casual. to my brother and cousins, and to our children. My dad's mother and father, my grandparents, aka, Jaikin and Butchin, epitomized the Japanese spirit of gambate, patience and determination, non-complaining attitude, doing your best, keep going no matter the odds. We should never forget their sacrifices, and that we, the generations that followed, are their legacy. They endured years of prejudice, racism, injustice and struggling to make a better life for her children. In turn, their children, our parents made sacrifices so our generation could be absent the trials and struggles that they endured, including living in the internment camp at Thule Lake during World War II. Their ganbear should not be forgotten without expressing gratitude. It's overwhelming really, when you consider the magnitude of sacrifice by our parents and Jaikin and Butchin to give us the lives that we have today. It's our duty to carry on that legacy to our children, and they, to their children, and the generations to come. Makes yearning and cursing that you have to wait weeks for a white iPhone 5 instead of the taking available black model seem trivial. I was 13 when Jaikin passed away. I, along with some you, served as honorary pallbearers. We wore our little suits and white cloth gloves. We sat in the front pew, and were able to see our grandfather for the last time. It was the first funeral I had ever been to, and to be so near to someone whom we were so close to, was an experience I wasn't able to fully digest until years later when I contemplated the magnitude of my grandparents' pioneer spirit. To mark the occasion in 1993 when we went to Hawaii for a big Hitano family reunion, I collected pictures and biographies to create a family tree in a book, a document for us to remember our past. 
Researching our family's history made me realize how little nuances of fate played a part in us all being here today. Over and over, I was reminded, if not for the adventurous pioneering spirit of Yoshimasa Hitano, we would not be here. I imagined him as a young man of 21 boarding a ship for America not sure what he would encounter. Not knowing how to speak English. Not possessing any skills except his physical self. To make the decision to leave his family behind in Japan to find a better life with no guarantees of a job. To struggle working in the fields for low wages. To endure the prejudices of the day. I can imagine but cannot fully comprehend what drove him to persevere in the face of such daunting obstacles, why he didn't just go back to Japan. Think of yourself in as a young man, moving to another country without much more than a basic education and not able to speak their language. Imagine that your new country was full of people who hated you and thought you should be banned from living amongst them. How would we do? I have a steamer trunk at my house that I got from Butchen when she moved into a nursing home. Daryl has one as well. Painted on the front panel is Waihatano, in care of Porter Taylor, Loomis, California they hastily packed some of their possessions in these trunks and gave them to a neighbor, Porter Taylor, to hold while they were interned at Tule Lake. Every time I look at the trunk, I am transported back to those days when their gambate was tested to its fullest. Butchen, along with Uncle Moss and Auntie Jerry, participated in the Jukla Oral History Project in 1994 that captured the essence of the Hitano spirit. In her own words, she recalled her life in Japan, and her life in America. I learned from her oral history some things I knew but had forgotten, other things I never knew. Their marriage in 1922 was arranged by their families. When Jiken returned to Japan after spending five years in America trying to make a living, that was the first time she met him. She didn't know until after they were married that they would be living in America. He was 27, she had just graduated from high school and was 16. They spent 14 days on a ship and settled in Isleton where they worked on a farm. Butchen always called Jiken Papa. Moss, since you came to America, what's the worst thing that happened in your life? Butchen, oh, I can't think of anything that was that bad. Moss, being put into camp. Butchen, being put into camp was very bad. And then after we came out, we were able to find work here and there. We always got by. We always got by, she said. Genbat. Growing up we spent a lot of time at Jiken and Bachan's house on San Diego Way in Oak Park. It's remarkable that Butchen lived in the house by herself after Jiken died in 1971, long after the neighborhood went bad, into her 80s. We were more scared visiting her than she was living there. But after understanding her history, living in a run-down neighborhood was just a minor inconvenience. Talk about Gambate. We hardly had any Gambate compared to her. Jiken's most prominent feature was, as all of us recall, his bald head. Growing up, baldness wasn't as common as nowadays, when you see many sporting a bald scalp even though they could have a full head of hair. Back then, Jekin's head was a source of wonderment. I asked him once if I could touch his head and he let me. It was at the same time hard and soft under my palm, smooth and round, and devoid of any blemishes. To this day I have not rubbed another man's bald head, not so much out of respect to Jiken but mostly because I've never had the urge to rub another man's bald head. Well, maybe Alan's, but only once. As kids, we spent a lot of time at Jiken and Bachan's house. Six grandsons and three granddaughters. Two of the girls were too old, Patty and Wendy, and one, Gail, was too young, to join in our fun. Plus they were girls, so that automatically excluded them. Led by Rick, we would walk to the little store on Stockton Boulevard and as a group, sing, money, money, money. With our quarters in our hands. Not a smart thing to do in Oak Park, we later learned, 
we would play tackle football and wrestle in the hallway laundry room, often crashing into the washing machine or the big stack of soda bottles that Butchin would buy for our consumption. We played pirate ship on her clothesline platform. And, of course, we fondly remember the basketball games on their ultra-long, super-narrow driveway, with our lampshade basket barred from the garage, without permission from anyone, where, oh, where was our parents' supervision? It was an invention reminiscent of Dr. Naismith's use of a peach basket in the early days of basketball. I think it is our fondest memory of growing up, that lampshade hoop. We played not with a basketball, but with Jaikin's red rubber ball. It was on that narrow court that Daryl perfected his hook shot, unblockable and deadly from the corner. Later Kareem Abdul-Jabbar would emulate Daryl and have a Hall of Fame career. Daryl, armed with his law degree from Cal, would try but fail to win a lawsuit trying to claim copyright infringement. When Gary became old enough to join the older five grandsons, he served a purpose that the other younger brothers Kevin and Alan had to endure at one time, that is, serving as a human punching bag and target of many pranks for the oldest brothers, Daryl and me. That is a birthright of the older brother, picking on the younger ones. Only difference was Gary had all five of us ganging up on him. I wonder if he's now getting his revenge with his own three little sons. I'm betting yes. We were lucky to have Butchin with us until she was 93 years old. The six grandsons, Rick, Daryl, Alan, Kevin, Gary and I, served as her pallbearers, 28 years after we did the same for Jaikin. I remembered my mom telling me that her wish was to enlist her six grandsons for this duty. She lived long enough to be a part of the majority of her great-grandchildren's lives, all except the youngest six, Dale and Gail's three boys and Gary and Kyoko's three boys. Hmm. Strange coincidence that those six boys are like the six boys a generation ago that fashioned a lampshade into a basketball hoop. Except they're more likely to play basketball on the Nintendo. If not for the time spent at Butchin and Jaikin's house in Oak Park, we wouldn't have bonded as a family. We wouldn't have had rich memories like the lampshade basketball hoop. If not for Butchin and Jaikin and their Ganbear, there wouldn't even be a Hatano family. That's for certain. From all of the three generations represented here that carry on your legacy today, for all that you sacrificed and for that you did thank you, Butchin and Jaikin. Yaiko, 17, and Yoshimasa, 28, circa 1923. Footnote, okay, I know I should call them O Jaikin and O Butchin, but we've called them Jaikin and Butchin since we were born, in fact, Rick even called her Bach on occasion. Family casual.